into the New Testament, we want to continue picking up in our study in the book of Revelation. We find ourselves in the 21st chapter again, and tonight we have come to the Word of God to dissect, to study, to learn and grow, to understand. And as we think about this great book, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, that in fact is what it is. It is an unfolding of prophetical truth to see into the future and see all of the wrath of God and His dealings with mankind, the judgment that's going to be given. And then as we come to chapter 21, to see this great spirit rejoicing as there's a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Former things being done away with, no more tears, no more sorrow, neither death, no more crying, no more pain. And then all of the sights that we see in this chapter, they speak of this holy city, Jerusalem. In fact, if you look in verse 2 of chapter 21, the Bible says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. It goes down in verse 10, he says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from, the, from God. As we think about this holy city, we can't help but to look at John chapter 14, and as the Bible speaks, verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go... And prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there you may be also. And whether I go you know. And the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him. Lord we know not whether thou goest. And how can we know the way. And Jesus saith unto him. I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me. And so as we come to chapter 21. We are holding beautiful sights. This great preparation. And this presentation. This beautiful bride that is given to God Himself. And as this bride comes out of the very presence of heaven, in the presence of God, down to earth, this new city, this holy Jerusalem, coming down, prepared as a bride, and is the bride of the Lord. Tonight we want to cover not only verse 1 down to verse 3, but kind of covering also verse 5 through verse 8. We have spoken a few thoughts about verse 1 through verse 3. We're going to kind of review a little bit. But I want to pick up specifically in verse 5. And I want to try to give you some very practical things, some promises that we find to the nation of Israel. We're going to be talking about the citizens of this new heaven and the new earth. We're going to be talking about those that are athirst for life and the water that God gives. And so let's just get into our reading tonight. And uh, I pray that this would be a great blessing. The Bible says in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said. Now the one that's sitting upon the throne is no one other than Christ Himself. I believe it's important when we hear an angel speak to listen. In fact, that's what John has done thus far and this great revelation of Jesus Christ, a messenger of God, in many cases, has come to John on the Isle of Patmos and has spoken. But now we hear a different voice. A voice that sounds like thunder. A voice that sounds like many waters. A voice that's powerful and dynamic. A voice that is very intimate, very unique in its own way. A still small voice, a powerful voice. This is the voice of God Himself. And the Bible says in verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, It is God that is sitting upon the throne. It is He that sits upon the throne. I want to remind you what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians tonight. If you will, take your Bible and look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just about the one that sits upon the throne. He says in verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20, 
But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. This is Jesus. This is the one that is sitting on the right hand of the Father. This is the one that is speaking here tonight. You can read all the way down to about verse 35. Verse 34 and verse 35. How He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. And He's sitting upon the throne. And there is power given to Him to rule and power given to Him to have authority and power that He must reign. And this is the one that is speaking. If you will, back in our text of Revelation chapter 21, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. We understand that to get to this point in your life, you have to be a new creature in this life. The next one to come is extremely important, but it's based upon what is done in this life. And the Bible says that when you accept Christ on that day of conception, born into the family of God, He makes you into a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And now we come to a new heaven and a new earth. We come to a new Jerusalem, a holy city that's been prepared as a bride and is the bride. And He says that He Himself, the one that's sitting upon the throne, God, the Lord Jesus, is speaking. And He says, I make all things new. He gives us this contrast as we understand this world is different than the world to come. Again, as we spoke this morning, how there's trouble and there's problems and there's persecution and there's trials and there's the testing of of our faith in this world. But the next one to come is is a place of complete health and complete utopia and complete perfection. He makes all things new. Verse 5. And He said unto me, Write, For these words are true and faithful. There's the assurance both that the words of God are true. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is true. The word of God is truthful. It's not based upon the infallibility of the men. It's not based upon the sinful condition or sinless condition of the human penman that wrote it because They were nothing more than the instrument of God to record the Scripture. The author of the book is Jesus Christ Himself. He who knew no sin is the author. And what He says is yea. And what you and I say many times are nay. In Him is truth. In Him life. No wickedness. These things are true. But He also says that they're faithful. There's a spirit of hope and joy. There's a spirit of comfort found in this word faithful. To know that Revelation chapter 21 is just as inspired and just as forthcoming and truthful. And you can mark her down. You can rely upon the Word of God here in Revelation chapter 21 that what the Bible says will come to pass just as you can trust in John 3.16. It is faithful. The Bible says in verse number 6, And He said unto me, Again, God is speaking. God is speaking. God is speaking. In verse 5, He speaks twice. In verse 6, He speaks once again. I ask you the question whether or not we're reading or in fact the way that John is listening. Are you attentive? Are you open? Are you listening to Christ as He's speaking to your life? And He that sat upon the throne said, verse 5, And He said unto me, Verse 5, verse 6, and he said unto me, God is speaking, God is speaking, God is speaking. I think the worst thing that could come from all of this pandemic worldwide global issue is that people don't listen to God. In a time where we have more opportunity to turn off the hustle and bustle and the confusion of the world and give ear to the Lord, in many cases people are still not listening. Don't be deaf to the gospel. Don't be deaf to the truth of God's Word. And John is listening. And what he says is very important. Christ says this famous word, three-word phrase, it is done. And consistent with John chapter 19 and verse 30, it is finished. As He gave up the ghost, that work of Calvary being done. But God has also a greater work, an eternal work, an eternal purpose in mind. And as we think about the new heaven and the new earth, the old one being passed away, Because it is done. It is done. What God 
plans to do, He will do. Then He gives us this signet, this signature of royalty, this, if you will, implement into the, 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 the wax on the paper with the king's uh, seal of his ring. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. When the earth was formed, He was there. And when the earth will be destroyed, He is there. In every direction that man looks, man sees God, whether or not he realizes it or not. In the past, going far back enough, all the way to the beginning we see God, and going all the way to the future of what is recorded in God's Word, we see God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now as we think about this water of life, he's speaking in reference to futuristic events. But I want to remind you on a practical note of what the Bible says in John chapter 4 about the spiritual water of life. If you have your Bible, you will turn with me to the book of John chapter 4. There's a good practical note concerning salvation. You know, the Bible in Scripture compares itself in many cases to water. Water is a rejuvenating agent. It is a reviving agent. It is a cleansing agent. This is what the Word of God does. And we know who the Word of God is. It is Christ Himself. And He says to a woman at Jacob's well, He says in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith, to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Futuristically speaking, we find in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that this new heaven and new earth and this new holy city, there is going to be a consumption and a pouring out, a giving, if you will, of God Himself to mankind of this living water, water of life. As the Bible says. And the Bible says that it's given freely. Freely. It's given to these people futuristically freely because of the debt that's been paid historically. The Bible says in verse 13 of John chapter 4, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now as we kind of fast forward in the book of Revelation, we know he's talking about the fountain of the water of life and giving, uh, giving this water to the people throughout eternity freely. But where does this water come from? If you will, look with me in Revelation chapter 22 in this great city we see as the Bible elaborates and, and the Bible begins to expound upon uh, the beauty of the city and the sights of the city and all that's going to be done in the city. He says in chapter 22, and He showed me a pure river. A pure river. And He showed me a pure river of water of life. We understand that man can go without food for 10 days or 15 days or 30 days or even, yay, 40 days. But when it comes to water and hydration to the body, there's a great necessity for man to take in water. There's an element of sustaining life that water brings to the body. But the water that we're talking about here is physical and yet supernatural. The Bible says, and He showed me a pure river. And I like to think of that river without contamination and pollution. No doubt He's talking about the very... Uh, 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 tangible things of this new heaven and new earth and this new city, Jerusalem. But if you will, there's a spiritual note that everything that the world has, everything that we see has been touched by sin. And we talk about pollution today, whether it be in the air or whether it be in the foods that we eat, the chemicals that are used by farmers to produce more and bigger uh, poultry and, and, and greater fish and more pork and beef or what have you, uh, those elements, they do affect the body. And no doubt as we think about water pollution, there's a great uh, scare, if you will, and there's so many uh, different rules and regulations in our world about contaminating local rivers and the ocean and keeping water pure. Why? For 
the need to sustain life. And we understand what pollution is in a spiritual sense. It is nothing more than sin. This old earth being done away with, this old heaven being done away with, and the new heaven and the new earth having no more pollution, and the water the Bible speaks of being clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Where's the water of life come from in a spiritual sense? Today it comes from Christ. The same place that will come in the future when throughout the eternities man is rejuvenated by this water of life and it's freely given and freely received. The Bible says in verse 2, in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There is speculation when we think about the word, the healing of the nations, that terminology, that the fruit and the river giving an element of sustaining throughout eternity to that body. There is a thought there of that healing being placed through medicinal ways, the twelve fruits to the twelve tribes, etc., etc., the water that's given freely, that might sustain life, that might yield forth health and vitality and strength. We know that it's different than the world that we have now. I was talking to Pastor Tyler just about the book of Revelation, uh, and I simply said before service, some of these things are above my pay grade. And I could only kind of speculate and think. We know that heaven and earth now is totally different than the heaven and the new earth then. And the Bible says that there's going to be no more pain, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow. Why? Because the former things are passed away. And yet in chapter 22, he does talk about the tree of life, bearing 12 manner of fruits and yielding her fruit for every month. Kind of indicating a calendar type system. 12 months in a year with these months being seasoned. And yet in the seasons, possibly similar to the seasons that we have today, yet still this tree bearing forth fruit. Fruit that gives healing to the nations. And this pure water that is coming out of the fountain of the water of life and given freely. I think that what we find in chapter 21 really gives us maybe a setting for those that are to receive salvation or to reject salvation. Look with me back in chapter 21. He says in verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Overcometh what? The tribulation. We've just went through the book of Revelation. Here, the tribulation, they've overcome. They've endured to the end. I want to remind you of what the Bible says and what we preach and teach here in a dispensational truth because it's truth from God's Word. Look with me in Matthew chapter 24. You can't help but to see these words and the uh, authorized version gives us the very, in fact, the very words of God. He says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now the one that's being saved there is that tribulational saint that endures. That endures. And yet the Bible says, here in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 21, that the one that desires this water is going to receive it. The one that's thirsty for salvation. Let me ask you tonight, are you looking for something? Are you aching? In your heart, is there something missing? Let me tell you what that is that's missing in your life. His name is Jesus. He's missing in your life. And there's wealth and there's people and there's position and there's all kinds of things and fun and excitement. Maybe there's an element of purpose with a job that you have or a career, but you're missing something and His name is Jesus. Those that desire this water, He says, come and drink and drink freely. And during this period of time, those that have a longing, those that have a desire, those that want to live 
for God and, and, and endure to the end and withstand for the mark of the beast, they shall inherit eternal life. The Bible says in verse 7, And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. All things. What does that mean? If you look over in the book of Ephesians for the body of Christ, I'll give you a glimpse of all things and what it means for us today. Ephesians chapter 2. He says in verse number number 1, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, made alive, saved, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come He might show forth, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. That in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace. When you look at Revelation chapter 21, He really has this question. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Verse 7, what are the all things? The riches of His grace. And this is going to be seen throughout all eternity. And everything that heaven has this new place, heaven, new earth, this new holy city prepared as a bride and is the bride. All that's seen in Revelation chapter 22, the beautiful celebration of God throughout eternity. I love chapter 21 where he says in verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And that's what we have to look forward to. This world that we live in, as the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a picture of a, a man taking a bow and arrow and shooting at a target and missing the target. And you and I, we shoot our arrows and God is the target. And because we're sinful, we have come short of God. We've missed the mark. And yet as we have all things, we've inherited all things. What are those things? They are to be without something between my Lord and my, my heart, my, my, my Savior and myself. Nothing between. Nothing hindering me in my fellowship. Nothing hindering me in my friendship. Nothing keeping me from being the man or the woman of God that He would have us to be. In that world, no more sin. As He says in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears, all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is the will of God. He's given the water freely. And we thank the Lord for it. This is, in fact, what we were talking about this morning in 2 Corinthians. Look over in chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And as he says in verse 2, And I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up into the third heaven. This is the third heaven. Except in this situation, it's the new third heaven. Uh, it, it is uh, a, a beautiful presentation. And some of these things, being in light of this new Jerusalem that's going to be for eternity, 
the headquarters of God on earth. This new place. And again, as Paul says in verse 4, how that he was called up into paradise. What are the inheriting things? What are all the, what shall, uh, what are we going to inherit? All things that we're going to inherit. Well, it's paradise. It's paradise. And the nation of Israel having this uh, unique relationship and this promise of a land and God remembering His people. And you and I, as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, in the heavenlies, this eternal position that we find in Christ. And I just praise God for it because it's all free. It's all free. If you will, back in our text, he says in verse 6, and he said unto me, It is done, I am my Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, but, that's really where we want to place the focus of our attention tonight. That word, but. This is good news. This is good news. This is good news. This is great news. This is wonderful news. But, I mean, it's been positive, 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 all the way up to this point. And then we find in verse 8, but. It's almost like you're going 90 mile an hour and then he slams on the brake. And you come to a screeching halt and you're confronted with this one entity, this one issue. But, and this is what I want to talk about tonight. The but of chapter 21. I want eternal life and I'm going to receive it. I want old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new and I'm going to receive it. I, I want God to be with His people and His people to be with God. We're going to receive it. But, down in verse 8 is the issue. The issue, he says, but the fearful, number one, and unbelieving, number two, and the abominable, number three, and murderers, number four, and whoremongers, number five, and sorcerers, number six, and idolaters, number seven, and all liars, number eight, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's been a great promise to the nation of Israel all the way up to this point in chapter 28 of Revelation. Look over in Galatians chapter 3. I want to give you a few thoughts about this promise and then we'll get to this but. This promise of God's people being with Him and this holy city Jerusalem, the nation of Israel there, the body of Christ out in the heavens, this eternal bride adorned and presented to, to God and, and, and now... To, 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 to this new earth and coming down this new Jerusalem. He says in Galatians chapter 3, down in verse number 28. It says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What's, what, what, what are they going to inherit? What are we going to inherit? If you look over... In chapter 4, in verse number 7, it says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. What, what are we going to inherit? If you will, you can look over in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And look with me down in verse number 13. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a promise. We're talking about an inheritance. We're talking even on a practical note of a new Heaven and a new earth and the body of Christ having eternal positions and 
rewards and responsibilities throughout eternity. We're talking about the nation of Israel and the headquarters of God. And we're talking about this throne. And we're talking about out of the throne of God, this pure crystal water clean. And 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 the thought of salvation compared to water today and men receiving it and drinking of it and taking it in in a spiritual sense. But also that sustaining of life, whether it be through this water in eternity and the tree of life bearing forth 12 fruits to the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, giving healing to the nations. What, what, what are we inheriting? We're inheriting. We see the inheritance of these things. But, but, there's good news, good news, good news, good news. But, there's bad news. What are the bad news? What is the bad news? What does the Bible say about the bad news? What we're talking about tonight is we're talking about there will be new citizens, or excuse me, there, a new, new citizens of a new heaven and new earth. And again, it's important because God is making this declaration. He's speaking. It's not an angel declaring these things. It's not an angelical messenger giving us this message. It is God telling us who the citizens of this new earth and new holy Jerusalem prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and is the bride of Christ, given to. And he talks about the citizens. Who are the citizens? Well, the citizens are the opposite of verse 8. They are not the fearful. They are not the unbelieving. They are not the abominable, they are not the murderers, they are not the whoremongers, they are not the sorcerers, they are not the idolaters, they are not the liars, they are not all of those that have their part in the lake of fire. And again, as we're talking about the tribulational saint, when you look at this group, we're talking about wicked works. Those that are going to inherit the new life and this new earth, as he says, it is done, it is finished, and the last thing that has happened, really, the event that they went through is the tribulational setting. The ones that enter into this glory, the ones that enter into eternity, are the ones that are on the opposite side of verse 8. They've been faithful. They've been martyrs. They've given their life for the cause of Christ. They've smuggled in Bibles. They've preached the, the gospel of the kingdom. They've been faithful to... Uh, live what we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in a practical sense, even as Pastor Tyler was talking about with the Beatitudes. Praying our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Forgiving others that God might forgive them in that tribulational time frame. That's not for us today. And there's, there's principle here, this new heaven and new earth. Praise God. I'm drinking of the water of life freely. In God's grace, have I been fearful? Sure. But for us, the blood is forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And what we see here is the opposing team. Let me just break this category up in a matter of five minutes. Number one, the fearful or the cowardly. Those who do not confess Christ because of the fear of what others may say and do. You better believe that's going to be a real thing in the tribulational setting. When they hate Christians, they hate Bibles, and they hate the nation of Israel, Jews are being murdered. They're having to flee into the mountains and run for their life. He says in uh, the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and verse 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. They're cowards. They would rather enjoy the pleasures of Egypt than to suffer like Moses did with the nation of Israel. They're cowards. They're fearful. Number two, the unbelieving. Who are they? Those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's it. They don't believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They don't believe that Jesus is the one that 
uh, carry their sin debt, pay for their sin debt, and, and they don't believe that Jesus is the one that died and went to hell for them. They don't believe these things. They just don't believe. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in the bloodstained banner. They don't believe in the cross. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the virgin birth. Uh, they don't believe uh, that, that Peter walked on water. They don't believe that Jonah was swallowed up by a well and on the third day he was spit out on dry land and walked into city. They don't believe that Elijah, by the power of God, fire came down and swallowed up the sacrifice. They don't believe it. They don't believe that John the Baptist ate wild honey and locusts. They don't believe that Paul was stoned to death and yet in a moment he got up and walked back into the city with boldness to preach. They don't believe it. You know who they are? They're the ones that stoned Stephen. Gnashed upon him with their neck. They hate the Bible. They hate anything that's pure of heart. They love wickedness. They love deceit. Why? Because they're abominable. They're wicked. They're murderers. You know what the word abominable means? It means polluted. It means polluted. That's our third group. The abominable. They're polluted. Those who are worldly. Those who live worldly lives. Those who reach out to touch and to taste impurities. They desire these things. They covet these things. They long for these things. They want to be drunk. They want to live in intoxication. They want to live in the, in the, in the, the, the armpit of worldliness. Those who refuse to separate from pleasures. Those who refuse to separate from possessions of this world. Those who covet and desire they, 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 uh, their, their neighbor's um, wife. Those who are filled with uh, um, lust and, and covetousness. The fourth group are the murderers. Those who kill and those who take the lives of others. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13. It's still in the Bible and it's still real. Thou shalt not kill. You believe that those people that take the lives of precious babies are going to get scot-free? Get off of this? No, they're going to be judged. They're going to be judged. And during this time, this period, where there's thousands of people that are martyred for the cause of Christ, those that slay them, behead them at the guillotine, those that poison them and drink and food, those that do some type of ungodly wickedness to snare them, they're going to be judged. They're not going to go into this new heaven and new earth. They're murderers. And then he talks about whoremongers. These are the ones that are immoral, sexually immoral. Men with men, women with women. Bestiality. Group sex. All kinds of impure, ungodly adultery that's committed in private and also in public. Those that make these pornographic videos and things that are on the internet that many men and yea women and children now are held bondage to. They're going to be judged. Do you not believe that during this period of time this stuff is going to grow rampant more and more, it's sex 30 in America. And it's not the sex that God ordained or that God has scripturally given or blessed. It's not Adam knew his wife and that was godly and that was wholesome and the bed being undefiled, but it's everything else. It's everything else. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through verse 28. You have heard that it was said to them by of the old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say to you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And then he goes down. Our sixth group is sorcerers. Let me just give you a, a, a listing of all that's in that group. Those that practice witchcraft. Those that devil worship. Is that not what we find in the book of Revelation? How in the tribulational period that they're bowing down and worshiping the beast and the image? Spiritism. Seances. Palm reading. I drove by one of those places the other day. 
in a city about 45 minutes from here and it had a hand on a sign, palm reading, future telling. Somehow to be able, uh, they, they claim to, to reveal uh, the controls of one's life and, and fate of one's life, the destiny of one's life. Those that engage in astrology, those that engage in, in sorcery and magic and dark magic and these things that the Bible tells us that stand against God. Galatians chapter 5, he says in verse 19 and verse 20, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft. And in many cases, these sins, they go hand in hand. Worshipping the devil, historically, many times you would see in different temple, idol temples, temples of idolatry, that there were temple prostitutes. You find that in the book of Acts and other passages of Scripture. The Bible speaks about a woman of uh, divination that came upon Paul and, 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 and he knew her and he saw her for who she was. These things are real. But then he comes to the seventh category and that's found in verse 8 and that's idolaters. Those who worship idols, whether idols made with one, one's hands or just conceived in the mind, those who have an image of what God is like and worship and follow that image instead of following the Bible. Well, this is what I think God is. Or the universe has the control in my life, wherever that came from. Some middle... Eastern country with different philosophies and deities. You know, sometimes we become numb to it, even as Christians when we go to a Chinese restaurant here in America, but those things are real when you see a Buddha and they have an evil, wicked presence and they are definitely dominating the life of these people. It's not just some kind of little trinket. It's not just some little figurine that means uh, uh, wealth and prosperity, but there are satanic connections to those things. I was telling my children the other day that the peace sign is an upside down cross, broken, upside down broken cross. And when people do this, it signifies a, a distinct separation from God. It is a, a symbol that many times people don't understand. They see it as a harmless symbol, but the devil understands what it is. Idolaters. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. The greatest idolatry is self. That's the greatest idol itself. Loving self, caring for self. In the last days, men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Why? Because they love themselves. They love themselves. They'd rather have their bellies filled with food than to suffer and endure knowing that eternity awaits them. And then we come to the last group, liars. Liars. I really think that when we come to the last group, it, in essence, it composes all that is seen in this verse. They're all liars. Sorcerers are liars. Idolaters are liars. The whoremongers, they're lying. To their spouse, they're lying to themselves. Those that are abominable or polluting the world, they're lying, getting uh, an alternative lifestyle that represents uh, uh, happiness, and yet at the end of that road, there's broken hearts, there's disease, there's ungodliness. Fear is definitely a lie. As the devil breeds fear in our heart, it's lack of faith, it's lack of trust, it's, it's this thought that God's not able to take care, that God's not able to perform, that God is not on the throne. These lies, unbelieving, that within itself, a lack of faith, unbelieving, a lie that people have accepted. The atheist says that there is no God. The atheist says that there is no eternal judgment. The atheist says that the Bible is not true. And they believe this and it's a lie. This last group, the liars... It encompasses all that is sin, verse 8. Those who tell falsehoods 
and not telling the truth. Those who deceive, those who mislead others. Those that are gossipers, are you listening to me tonight? Are you looking at me? Those that come to the house of God and they gossip, maybe giving an element of the truth, and yet they they mix it with their own ingredient of lie. Those that are tellbearers, those that pass rumors alone. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 5: A false witness shall not be unpunished. But he that speaketh the lies. And he that speaketh a lie shall not escape. Liars. 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 If you will, look with me in Revelation chapter 22. And I want to end on this note. Revelation chapter 22. He says down in verse number 7, And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. There's what we're dealing with. These people have went through the tribulation. And they have overcome. They they have endured to the end. They have in many cases lost their life. They're martyrs. Hundreds of martyrs. Thousands of martyrs. But he says in verse 7. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Again, the spirit of consistency. Uh, Luke chapter 16, paradise. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, paradise. What is heaven? Paradise. This new heaven and new earth, and new Jerusalem, holy city being prepared. What is paradise? And yet through all of this good news, there is somewhat of a, wait a minute, Somewhat of a check the box. Somewhat of a ponder and think and meditate. Somewhat of a look at your life. Even on a practical note, we know that we're not living in the tribulation, but we're living in this dispensation of grace, and it still bears witness. Do you know Christ? I'm not enduring to the end of nothing. You might be enduring to the end of this message, but it's not in condition of your salvation. We're not enduring to the end. We're not withstanding from the mark of the beast. We're not having to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And yet on a practical note, there are some elements of of consistency with this dispensation of that one. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Are you going to be in this group? I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Are you going to be in this group, a holy and new city, Jerusalem? Are you going to see these eternal sights? I, I love chapter 22 and all that is seen here. If you will, look with me in chapter 22. He says in verse 3, And there shall be no more curse. What is the curse? Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Cursed is the woman's womb in childbearing. Cursed. Is the, the nature of mankind. The sin curse. It is appointed unto man once to die. For all sin and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is what? Death. It's a curse. We've been cursed. You don't believe in a curse? You better. But that curse is going to be removed. Praise God. Praise God. He says, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face. What about that? No man has seen God at any time. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. The identification, the possession, the security of those people in God. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle nor light of the sun. No uh, artificial illumination. No need for the natural sun. The greater to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. No need. Why? For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, 
These things are faithful and true. You remember the beginning of the message? If you will, look over here. I want you to notice this. Look in chapter 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. But if you look in chapter 22, he now says in verse 6, And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true. No matter how you divide it, no matter how you look at it, God's word is true and faithful, and it's faithful and true. These things are going to come to pass. And what sights? I love verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Again, let me remind you, at the beginning of this book, Revelation chapter 21, he says that same thing in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep. That's not for the body of Christ. We're not enduring to the end. We're not keeping these words in that same sense. But they are. They will. Some of them. And then he says, verse 7 of chapter 22, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And that's what we're talking about. They're entering into life. But these won't. You better believe these idolaters and whoremongers and the sorcerers, those that are liars and abominable and they've done all kinds of ungodly things, those that are fearful and they're cowards, they take the mark of the beast because they're more afraid of man than they are afraid of God. They'd rather have their bellies filled with food than an eternal reward in the heavens. I hope this message has been an encouragement to you and a help and a bless to you. And uh, I, uh, I just want to leave you with this note. If you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. And there's going to be a bright day coming. That rapture is going to happen. It could be today, tonight before we go to bed. Or maybe in the middle of the night. Who knows? God is going to come. He's going to come. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you continue to bless your people. Help us tonight as we serve you and think about these things. May we meditate upon the scriptures. God, we praise you that there's a new heaven and a new earth, a new holy city, Jerusalem, all prepared by you for us, for your people. God, to be a citizen, to be in your economy, it is such a wonderful and blessed thing. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand Revelation even more. There's, there's still a lot of questions that we have, even as we have studied through and trying to learn more. God, I know you want us to know your book and, and love your book, and that's our desire tonight, to, to really study it. And so I pray that your people would be blessed. God, we pray for our church. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.